Stand to your feet. Let's honor the reading of God's word. I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4. I do have the notes in the Bible app if you like to use that. Uh, tonight, as I have with this whole series, I've got a lot of scripture for you. I don't plan on covering it all. I'm going to hit my main points and maybe highlight a couple key verses. But it is all there if you want a good, thorough study on uh, this this week is about angels. We've spent a couple weeks on the dark side, dealing with demons and uh, and how demons are and how they operate and different ranks of demons. Um, but today we're going to focus on angels. So. I'm not going to read all of this for the sake of time. Are you familiar with this story? Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Oh, I'm in the wrong translation. Uh, New King James. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Right. Thank you, Matthew. I didn't gather that. When the tempter came, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil took him onto the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels. Everyone say angels. He'll give his angels charge over you. In their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus, now that's the devil, by the way, telling Jesus. Hey, the Bible says this. Why don't you try it? Verse 7, Jesus said, it's written, do not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, all these things... I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said, away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, the devil left him, and behold, angels, everyone say angels, angels came and ministered to Jesus. Wow. Let's pray and ask the Lord's hand on this time. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for wisdom and revelation that you bring to each and every one of us. And I ask tonight, Lord, just so, so special, I pray that you would open our heart and our eyes to the reality of the supernatural around us. We're so mindful of the demonic and, and the, uh, the oppression that can exist uh, in and around us. But Lord, I'm asking that tonight you would give us a wonderful revelation of some of the powers that are fighting on our behalf. Jesus, we know you're contending on our behalf. We know the Holy Spirit is power in us and through us. But God, you have even released angels who are doing warfare in the unseen realm, who minister to us the same way they did to you. And so, Lord, I pray, give us faith tonight. Increase our faith to believe that you can do even more than what we've seen or heard. And so, Lord, we thank you for your hand on this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, I I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh my. Have you ever seen an angel? Anybody ever had angel experiences, encounters? If you have, I'd really love to, I'd really love to know. Maybe you have and you didn't even know it. 
Did you know that's a possibility? Um, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, I shared this verse because there's actually an instance of several angels. We see uh, a fallen angel, Satan, come and uh, is, is tempting Jesus. He was tempted in every way that you and I were. He quotes even one of the jobs or the roles of an angel trying to get Jesus to submit to temptation. And, uh, and at the end of the story, of course, we see that angels came and ministered to Jesus. Us. Uh, we don't know exactly what those angels did to minister to him. Um, maybe there was food involved. I'm not sure. But uh, I know that he was strengthened. He was encouraged. And, and I just, you understand that Jesus is the model for what our life is supposed to look like. You do understand that. Jesus came and demonstrated for us what a life fully surrendered to the will of the Father is supposed to look like. Um, one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers, a man of God by the name of Bill Johnson, he's constantly saying that Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is perfect theology. And so if you ever wonder, like, well, what, uh, you know, what should I do in this situation? It goes back to those bracelets. We should bring them back and sell them in our coffee shop. What would Jesus do? You guys remember that? They kind of did make a resurgence here. Anybody still got one of those bracelets? No? Well, then we need to get some. Uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful question to ask. If Jesus was encouraged by angels, if he was strengthened by angels, how many of you are, I mean, at least open to the possibility that maybe in a time of need, an angel could minister to us? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Angels, let me give you some numbers here. Angels are everywhere in the Bible. At least, at least 196 references in the Bibles we see angels or angelic visitations. Um, uh, one thing that I do want you to be aware of, and I'm, I'm going to kind of dispel some common ideas about angels. I don't know what you picture when you think about, when I just say the word angel, I don't know if you've seen, I, I think it was a painting by Michelangelo. You got the two babies uh, that are kind of uh, leaning on the table, the, the little cherubs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, is that what you picture when you picture angels? Uh, uh, the floating babies, playing harps. Um, I, I, I've heard people, in fact, I, this is actually an irritation. I'm not going to ask if anybody said this because it actually upsets me. When I, I've heard when young people, it's particularly young people, I've even seen like, you know, where a child dies and they try and comfort somebody else, an angel has gained their wings. Um, no, no. I, I feel like we do a disservice when we try and belittle the grief that somebody should feel over the loss of whether it's a child or whether it's somebody else we care about. But even on a theology level, that's untrue. People do not become angels when they die. I like to think that maybe we'll be able to fly, but I'm not going to need wings in order to fly in heaven. Angels and humans are both created beings. And we were created uniquely. We're created differently. You are not like angels, and angels are not like you. 
You will not become an angel. Angels will not become human. We are different. Colossians 1.16 says, By Jesus all things were created in heaven, on the earth, both visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So angels are created beings. Angels are created beings. We see that angels can take on several different forms. I guess theoretically, maybe a baby could, you know, an angel could come in the form of a baby. I'm not sure. Uh, we do see that there's some occasions, most occasions, angels will take on the form of men when they come. Okay. Talking to Joshua, he saw a man. Abraham had three men come and visit him in his conversation, realized that they were angels. In fact, I believe one of those three who came to Abraham, you'll see at times in the Old Testament where it says capital A, angel. And this is actually a physical manifestation of God, what we would call a Christophany or theophany, a physical. You know, Jesus was in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus was in the Old Testament. Everybody say yes. He's eternal. Um, and so there were moments where they appeared as men. Zechariah 5 gives an interesting account where two women come, and they. Uh, Zechariah has a vision of two women who are later revealed to be angels. So angels can also come in the form of women. So they can be men or women, maybe babies. I don't know. Probably not. But... Um, what I do know is the way the Bible describes angels is very intimidating. If you have ever read uh, Ezekiel or Isaiah or the book of Revelation and the way it describes angels, um, you'll begin to understand why every time an angel showed up to somebody, the first words that every time they speak are, don't be afraid. Fear not. Now let me ask you, if a baby appears to you, don't be, I mean, maybe if it's a floating baby in the middle of the night or something, but, but chances are you're not going to be terrified. I mean, there were people in the scriptures who were so terrified by what they saw, they fell on the ground as though they were dead. That's freaky, friend. You'll read some of the descriptions of angels 20 foot tall engulfed in flames, swords of fire. In fact, there's an interesting thing, uh, and, and I'm going to get to what cherubim actually look like in just a little bit, but there's actually, have you guys been seeing, I saw in a, uh, it was in a Christian news article, I think it was Christianity Today, they've got this new technology, uh, artificial intelligence, where they plug keywords into a computer program, and it comes back with computer-generated images. Somebody actually took and took the entire uh, description of what Ezekiel saw, of what Isaiah saw, and plugged it into this AI, and it's freaky, man. It's freaky. There's, there's actually an animated GIF or GIF. How do you say it? You guys say GIF. I think it's JIF. Uh, okay. Anyway, I don't know. That has nothing to do with anything. But it's freaky, man. You'll see these. You'll see this like spinning wheel thing with eyes all around. It's exactly what Ezekiel saw. I mean, freaky kind of stuff. And if you just imagine something with six wings, full of eyes, a massive eye in the middle. 
engulfed in flames. Now imagine that thing appear. Imagine waking up at night and you see that. You begin to understand why they say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I just want to contrast this with what we've been talking about the last few weeks. I know people are afraid of demons. But every time you see angels in Scripture, they're huge, they're powerful, they're impressive, and they're always coming out the gate. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Every time, conversely, you see demons in Scripture, they're the ones that are afraid. What have you to do with us, Jesus? Why have you come here? It's not time for our judgment yet. It's important that we get it right in our head, friend. If you're operating in the power of God, you understand demons ought to be afraid of you. Demons ought to tremble. I want demons to be afraid when I step into a region or area. Uh, your time is short. You're not oppressing these people any longer. Conversely, I want to have confidence that God, you, and your army of angels are far more impressive and powerful than anything that the world or our enemy could ever throw at us. Are you trekking with me? So, uh, I do believe that demons are, uh, I do believe that demons are fallen angels. Um, in Revelation 12, you can read about a rebellion that Satan led against God. So, demons are not only fallen angels, but demons are also Stupid fallen angels, because who leads a rebellion against God? Well, a third of the angels went with, God, with Satan in that rebellion and were cast down, cast out of heaven. Um, but that means, somebody help me with the math here, that if a third left, and those are demons, how many angels do we have? Two-thirds, thank you. I know this is advanced mathematics right here. That means that Angel powers at least double demon power. So you got one demon that's freaking you out, terrorizing your house. You got to understand you have at least twice the power of God that's fighting for you. And that's not even looking at the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the blood of Jesus. I'm just talking about like angel armies that are fighting on your behalf against demons. Okay. They're, they're outnumbered two to one. So there's different ranks of angels, and I, I gave you these in our notes, and this is going to help you, but if you don't have the Bible app or if you learn by writing things down, here's what I want you to write down. There's different ranks of angels. The first, the highest rank are what we would call archangels. Everyone say archangels. As far as angels are concerned, these are the head honchos, okay? Uh, so some traditions... Uh, name seven different archangels. I know most of the, the, the Catholic world teaches about seven archangels. The book of Enoch, which is a very interesting topic. Uh, I would love to discuss. I want to do a Bible study sometime on fringe theology. The book of Enoch is not included in Scripture. Maybe should be. Maybe it shouldn't. But it names a number of different archangels. But the Bible. Here's a Bible quiz. How many in our 66 books of the Bible does anybody know how many named archangels there are? I hear two. I see one, two. Anybody say anything different? Three. All right. 
My brother Robert in the back has got it. There's only one named archangel. Anybody know who that archangel is? Michael, that's correct. Michael is the only angel that is actually named an archangel in Jude chapter 1 in verse 9. Jude chapter 1, Michael the archangel was contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses. This is a weird verse, man. I'll just tell you. Moses dies. It's time to usher his soul into heaven, and Satan is fighting over it. I don't even know what to do with that. This is the kind of stuff that makes you just... What did that look like? I don't know. I'm going to ask God when we get to heaven. But Michael, the archangel, was the one who contended with the devil and was victorious, we know, because later Moses appears with, with Elijah, and, uh, and they're, they're Elijah, Elijah, yeah, yeah, uh, and they're talking with Jesus. So we know Moses made it to heaven. Uh, the devil's a loser. Hallelujah. Now, most would agree that Gabriel is an archangel as well. In fact, in the Bible, there are three named angels. Gabriel, Michael, anybody know what the third one? Lucifer. Lucifer is the fallen angel who we now call Satan. His name literally means accuser. And so most acknowledge that those were at least the three um, archangels, the three highest ranking angels, Michael, we see his role entirely is always warfare. Um, he's always connected in prayer. And this is pretty cool how it parallels. Even when you think about the way we order a service, um, Michael is war. Michael is responding to prayer. Michael is leading heaven's armies at different times. Gabriel is always the carrier of messages. He's the one who declares the birth of Jesus. He's the one who appears in, in different moments and is giving instruction. Uh, he's in the book of Daniel. He's a number of different places. You'll see Gabriel, and he's always carrying the message. It's like preaching. And then you have the third piece. You have prayer, you have preaching, but then we also have worship. In the Bible, Ezekiel describes the body of Lucifer as actually having instruments of wind and percussion and all of this. And so it's pretty widely assumed that, that Lucifer was a worshiper or even possibly the primary worship leader in heaven. In fact, I just imagine the way his fall probably came about is he is here and his job is to lead the heavenly host in worship and adoration of God. But somewhere in that process, he decides that maybe a little bit of this glory should go to me. And you'll read in different places, I will, Revelation, in the book of Isaiah, uh, the book of Ezekiel, all detail in different ways what his fall looked like. I will exalt myself. I will become like the Most High God. I will become um, exalted and lifted up. And all. He wanted to take the place, and as a result, God cast him down. Now, this is what I, here's some of the things that I think about. I don't know if God had a replacement archangel in heaven for worship, but here's what I do believe. I believe that the highest call and the highest duty for the people of God is actually to fill that void. I believe that our greatest role, I'm saying this as a preacher, our greatest opportunity isn't to preach. 
our greatest burden isn't even to pray. You have somebody ask, what is the meaning of life? Now, most people aren't going to understand this, but this is truly what I believe. Our highest and supreme call is to worship and to give glory to God. Our very lives are an act of worship. Our lives are an offering unto the Lord. Our worship is a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. You can imagine how it stung when Lucifer was cast down. Now, we know that there's still worship going on in heaven, but we get to be a part of that. So I do believe, I do believe that Michael, I do believe that uh, Gabriel uh, is an archangel as well. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that, but the fact that he's named... I would, uh, I would contend for that, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out, and Gabriel's a level two angel. I don't know. We'll find out when we get to heaven. So uh, number two. So the second rank that we see in Scripture is cherubim. Cherubim. Everybody say cherubim. Now, this is typically what you see as painted. You'll see that you know, people paint cherubs, and they're the chubby babies playing harps. But, uh, in fact, let's read this together. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 6. Ezekiel 10 and verse 6. Ezekiel actually describes cherubim in the first chapter, but he doesn't name them cherubim. But in chapter 10, he's going through the same descriptors. In this time, he does call them cherubim. And so... Um, um, do we got this right? Oh, yeah. So let's, let's look at this together. Ezekiel 10 and verse 17. It says, the Lord said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6. What did I say? Verse 6. Ezekiel 10, 6. I don't know if you guys have got it there. This is what it says. The Lord said to the man in linen clothing, go between the cherubim. Take some burning coals from between the wheels. So the man stood and stood beside one of the wheels. What in the world is it talking about wheels? Well, one of the cherubim reached out his hand and took some live coals from the fire burning among. He put the coals in the hand of the man in the linen clothing. This is a whole prophetic thing. You'd have to read the chapter, but I'm just, I want you to look at how the angels describe. The man took them and went out. All the cherubim, verse 8 had what looked like human hands under their wings. I want you to throw out any idea you have and just like blank slate, okay, we know wings and we know human hands, okay? I looked and each of the four cherubim had a wheel beside him. The wheel sparkled like barrel. The four wheels looked alike and were made the same. Each wheel had a second wheel turning crosswise within it. The cherubim could move in any four directions they faced, turning as they moved. As they went straight in the direction they faced, they never turned aside. Both the cherubim and the wheels were covered with eyes. The cherubim had eyes all over their bodies, including their hands, their backs, and their wings. I, somewhat, I heard someone refer to the wheels as whirling wheels. Each of the four cherubim had four faces. The first was like an ox. The second was a human face. The third was the face of a lion. The fourth was a face of an eagle. When the cherubim rose upward, they were the same living beings I had seen beside the Kabar River. When the cherubim moved, the wheels moved with them. They lifted their wings to fly. The wheels stayed beside them. When the cherubim stopped, the wheels stopped. When they flew upward, the wheels rose up. For the, spirits, uh, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. So these aren't just like tires. 
These are wheels that are alive and full of eyes. Imagine that thing appearing to you in the middle of the night. That's wild, friend. Read about what angels look like. I mean, this is why that's what a cherubim is. Uh, so a cherubim, angels, these are angels that are assigned to guard the throne of God. In Psalm 99 and verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He dwells between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. We also see that they guarded the Ark of the Covenant. And this is why the Lord instructed Moses to construct two angels, cherubim, facing each other on the top of the Ark because that's literally what was going on. There were cherubim assigned to the Ark of the Covenant. And so he had them build and uh, you know, shape cherubim on top of the Ark. These are the same angels that guarded the tree of life after Adam and Eve were booted from Eden. So we know when they ate of the the fruit of the tree, uh, the Lord had them expelled and he set cherubim. In this case, they also had a living flaming sword that twirled around all which ways to guard the tree of life. This is crazy, you guys. I just want you to think, this is the kind of... Stuff that God has like fighting on your behalf. You realize angels, just think about this. Angels are real. Like, wow, Pastor Jacob, that is so deep. Like, I really want you to get it. This is real. This is real. Angels are real. I would submit to you, you, you want to know what my honest belief is? I don't know how many people we've got in this room right now, like 50 or 60. We've got others who are watching online. I believe that there are at least as many angels in this room right now as there are people. I used to show up and I would practice my sermons. I would go to the church at 3, 4 in the morning before a Sunday morning service, and I would preach to a real living audience. I would come behind the pulpit, and I would preach my message, and I would address for all of the angels and all of the demons who may be within the sound of my voice, and I would proceed to preach my message I would surrender it to the Lord and make sure it had his approval, but I would test it on that real audience that was there. Some of you are going to think, Pastor Jacob, you're crazy. No, if you don't believe that angels are real and angels are present, friend, it's real. Angels are real. I'm going to talk about guardian angels in a moment, but... um, Genesis 3 talks about how there was a cherubim that that was assigned to the garden. So that's cherubim. So what do we have? Archangels. Then we have cherubim. The third rank of angel is seraphim. Everyone say seraphim. Is this interesting to you? Seraphim literally means flaming ones or burning ones. These are angels who are literally engulfed in fire, engulfed in flame. Um, Isaiah 6 
sees these seraphim. Uh, Isaiah sees them. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of the robe, uh, his robe filled the temple. We know that part. And above it stood seraphim, burning ones, burning angels. Each had six wings. With two he covered his faith face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and they cried to one another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke oh my goodness can you picture that burning angels flying above and around the throne of God. And their worship is so loud. I mean, we've got one pillar in this place. Could you imagine our music being so loud that the pillars in this place literally began to shake? I tell you, if loud music offends you, you're not going to like heaven very much. I'm just telling you. And you imagine gold-plated walls. That thing is not going to be sound absorbent either. But... um, (laughs) But that's the fire of God. I want to be like a burning one, friend. I want to be like one of these that's so on fire for God that I'm, I'm mirroring what's going on in heaven. I'm worshiping the very same way that they are in heaven. God, you are holy. You are glorious. You are high and lifted up. Oh, my goodness. That's seraphim. Now, the last one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little time because I'm going to define what some of these are. Uh, number four is what we would call ministering spirits or ministering angels, ministering spirits. And so these are the ones that are assigned, these minister to Christians. These are the same type of angel that ministered to Jesus. Um, and he knew, in fact, that these types of ministering angels, I want you to think about this. He knew that ministering angels would be a regular part of his life in ministry. In fact, I was reading just last night when he was talking with Zechariah, when he was calling him, um, I'm sorry, Nathan, when he was calling him into ministry, John 1, 51. He tells his disciples, follow me and you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Like Jesus was giving them a heads up. Listen, when you follow me, you're going to see the activity of angels going on. And like, what did that look like? I believe most of us have experienced an angelic encounter, whether you know it or not. How many of you ever had a word, like I know that God spoke to me in that moment? How many of you have had a moment like that? Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Bible says that even the Spirit of Jesus speaks to us. But there are times where even an angel comes and delivers a message. You may have had something drop into your heart. And it could have been an angel that dropped a message into your heart and you didn't even realize that's what it was. There are moments where people are being healed. And yes, there's a gift of the Spirit. But I believe very often... There is a ministry of healing that it's as if the father says, okay, it's time for that cancer to go. And he sends an angel carrying the gift of healing and he administers it to people. If God has moved upon you, there may be a moment 
where what you felt, what you experienced, what you received was actually delivered by an angel. So let me give you some examples of how they ministered. Angels, we see, minister to God. Um, Revelation 5, 11, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of these. Revelation 5, 11, you'll see that uh, angels were ministering around the throne of God. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. They were giving him glory. Uh, number two, angels can bring messages from heaven. Angels can bring messages from heaven. In Luke 2, in verse 10, the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. This is angels that are speaking to shepherds in the field. We read, uh, read about Daniel a couple weeks ago. Daniel had messages that came from angels. Abraham, I mentioned earlier, had angel encounters and messages. John, many people miss this, but throughout the entire book of John, there's an angel that's explaining to John. Everything that, that John is seeing and experiences is, is being retold. Now, this is what you're seeing, John. It's being told by an angel who's with him through this entire time. Paul this is a cool verse. In fact, let's, let's turn here. Acts 27 and verse 23. Acts 27 and verse 23. Oh, this is so cool. Paul, just to put this in context, is in the middle of a storm. He's there with a number of people. He's actually in captivity. He's a prisoner being transferred to Rome. Um, but this is what happens in the midst of this storm. Verse, uh, Acts 27 and verse 23, he's encouraging his fellow shipmates. And this is what he said, there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom, uh, I'm sorry, let me read this correctly because this is, I love this. There stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. There is an angel of the God whom I belong, to whom I belong and whom I serve. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will be brought before Caesar. Indeed, God has granted to you all these who sail with you. Paul received a word from an angel. You're going to be okay. And so will everybody who's on this boat. That's a cool word. I mean, you guys, do you have, even within the scope of your faith, an angel could come and visit you and give you instruction or encouragement or a word from the Lord. I mean, I would read this kind of stuff when I was just first getting saved, and I expected it. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this. There's times where I'd kneel down and I'd get in a place of prayer, especially if it was dark and I was praying. And I would feel like an angel came and it was like standing behind me or something. Anybody ever feel this? Like, and I, like to the degree that I look behind me, like... Like fully expecting to see someone or something standing right there. And, and the further I've gone along, the more I'm convinced. I think there actually is something. I'm just, I'm not seeing it. I'm not discerning it quite yet. But I, I'll be candid with you. Even the way I want to close tonight's service is that God would begin to open our eyes to the reality of angelic activity around us. I was watching a, a, a service from a man of God. Tremendous miracle ministry um, uh, by the name of William Brenham. 
Now, if you search that name, you'll see he, he kind of went off sideways towards the end of his life. Um, and it's a message in accountability. But uh, that's a sermon for a different day. But William Brenham would have the craziest words of knowledge. Had a woman come up to her, had a growth on her neck. I was watching this right before service. Had a growth on her neck. And he's standing there on sage and says, the, the ministering angel tells me you were in a car accident. And names the date, even names where she lives and all of this kind of stuff. And, and you wouldn't look at a growth, a tumor, and say, oh, that's because of a car accident. But that's exactly what happened. She had some type of injury, and as a result, there was a cyst, and it eventually grew into this whole growth, and the Lord healed her. And he was sharing in an interview on one occasion that he has one of two ways that God would speak to him, these wild words of knowledge. One, he asked the Lord to give him visions. He said Jesus would only do what he saw his father doing. He would only do what he saw his father doing. So he was under the impression that nearly everything Jesus did was something that he was seeing his father do. So he said, God, if he could see what you're doing, I want to see what you're doing. And God honored that and gave him visions to see particular things, great details. The other was he would have angels who would show up. And he would literally say, right there, woman of God, there's an angel who's standing over you right now. You've got this going on in your body. You've got a heart condition that's going on, and he's touching you right now. And she would be healed in that instant. We've been in services. Oh, man, I could... This is where it gets dangerous because I start having stories come to mind, but we'll build our faith. We're in a service with a man of God named Mahesh, Mahesh Chavda. Mahesh still ministers around and uh, uh, tremendous miracle anointing. Why are you laughing? Do you guys know Mahesh? Okay. Mahesh, I'll never forget. He administered and he was getting wild words of knowledge like that too that night. And in, at a particular point in time, I, I can't remember what the issue was, but he's like, you know, if, if you've got any type of blindness, the angel of the Lord is here right now and desires to minister healing. He's like, I see him. He's standing right here. And he pointed to a particular area there in the sanctuary. Now, you may think this is freaky, but man, I just, I read the Bible and it's like, God, if it could happen for them, I'm inclined to believe it could happen for us. And so he says, if you've got this type of uh, particular issue that's going on, I want you to come out from your seat, and I want you to come and stand over here where this ministering angel is right now. And as people would come, this is at Christ for the Nations, as people would come within about a 10-foot radius of that particular area, they would just come within the area. You would see them begin to get weak in the knees, and they would hit the ground before they even came entirely into that area. And I'm here thinking, like, God, I want to see angels. I want to know if so. Let me give you another one. There was a moment where John Kilpatrick, he would actually see what I believe are seraphim. He would see like balls of fire that would come into a building and begin to shoot back and forth across an area. In fact, he shares about moments where he would look up. In fact, he said that the first time the glory of the Lord broke out at the Brownsville Revival, he looked up at the corner of the building and he saw as if balls of fire were up at the top corner of the building. Now you understand, 
Our God is a God of order. But the moment that the pastor, the shepherd, the leader of that house, he said, the Lord is here, and we're going to allow him to do whatever he wants to do. It's almost like God was waiting for the pastor to give permission and for the people to engage in faith in what God wanted to do. And in that very moment, the Holy Spirit, he saw these balls of fire just come and just begin to shoot and move all across. I felt this. I have felt this. There was a moment where I was standing in a John Kilpatrick meeting, and he began, I don't know if you guys have ever heard him pray. When he begins to pray in tongues, he's not Shandalamahe. He's like, it's like, uh, like an Indian war cry. I don't even know how to describe it. And he begins to lift his voice. And I watched. That was back in the days when ministers sat on stage. We should bring that back. Um, ministers were sitting on stage, and they began to share about how they felt like a river was flowing out under uh, the stage. Now, I was, I was in a time of prayer and fasting, and so I was like, I knew that he was about to start praying for people. And so I like snuck down, and I came. And he's like, lift your hands. And I lifted my hands, but in that moment, I felt like there were balls of electricity that began to move. And it was so real, I actually pulled my hands down because I was afraid, this thing's going to touch me and I'm going to die. Like, that's literally what I thought in that. It was so real. It wasn't like spiritual hype. It was like, like you ever walk by like, like an electric cable that's like hanging down and it's like, I don't know if that thing's live. I don't want to touch it. It might kill me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's what I felt in that moment. Like, this is so real and powerful. Like, I don't want to die. I look. I believe those were seraphim ministering angels that were moving in and across the room. Wild. Wild kind of stuff. Oh, man. I'm spending too much time on this. I, I, just, I get fired up when I think about this kind of stuff. God can do this. God can do this. Um, Joshua had an encounter, an angel. I mean, there's so many. There's so many. And you can, you can read them. You can find them in the Bible. Angels, number three, serve and protect God's people. Angels serve and protect God's people. Matthew 18, 10. Talk about little ones and how their angels see the Father in heaven. I don't know if you, let's, let's look at it in the Bible. Matthew chapter 18. In verse 10, take heed that you do not despise these little ones, for I say to you, in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. This is the moment where the disciples, uh, where, where individuals were bringing their children to be blessed by Jesus, and the disciples started to rebuke him. He says, Be careful. Uh, you understand. They have angels representing them in the very presence of the Father. Don't you dare dishonor them. That's crazy to think. Did you know you have angels assigned to your life and they have access to the Father? In fact, here's a weird thought for you. Can I give you a weird thought? <laughs> I believe that not only do you have guardian angels, but I believe your angel actually looks like you. 
You don't know why I say that? In Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 15. No, Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 in verse 15. Acts chapter, you just write it down, but let me tell you what happened. Peter was in prison. And the people were praying for Peter to be released from prison. An angel shows up, and the Bible, I actually like this. The Bible says that it smote Peter, kicked him in the side to wake him up. I've actually experienced, I've had two angel encounters in my life. And one of them, I got hit in the side and woken up. That's a sermon for a different day. Peter is woken up. An angel strikes him in the side, wakes him up, and leads him out of the prison. He didn't know. It was such a, 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 such a wild experience that the Bible says Peter didn't even know whether he was awake or he was still dreaming. But when the angel departs in that moment, or at least he's not aware of his presence any longer, he realizes, no, I'm definitely awake, and now I'm outside the prison. So he goes back to where all of the church family is together praying. And he goes and he knocks on the door. Do you guys remember this story? He goes and knocks on the door, and a girl goes, and like, and, and I, I, I guess it was like a peek window. I don't know exactly how it was. She peeks outside, sees Peter, but this is what her assumption was. Anybody remember? No. She thought it was Peter's angel. What? She sees it, and her assumption is we know Peter's in prison, but his angel has now come to us. Now, of course, we know that that's not what it was. Peter's like, no, it's me. Hey, let me in. I'm <laughs> and so they, they do. They let him in, and, uh, and praise God, he got freed by an angel. Wonderful. So I think. Now, this is me reading between the lines. It's kind of like, okay, I think Gabriel's an archangel. The Bible doesn't explicitly say it, but I think he is. And we can. And so this is another one. I can't say this is Bible fact. Quote me on this. But I have a suspicion that there are angels assigned to your life, and they look like you. That's interesting. Maybe they don't look like you. Maybe they look like, I don't know. Maybe they look like the freaky wheel angel. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Psalm 91 and verse 11 says, He will give his angels charge over you and will keep you in all your ways. In Daniel 6 verse 22, God sent his angels to shut the mouths of lions. I've had times, friend, I've told you the story when my wife and I were driving. Oh, man, I'm running out of time. But, Minister Ryland, why don't you come and play the piano so I'll stop. I've had moments where I am convinced I should have died, but I am convinced. You guys remember the story I told? I'll, I'll, I won't tell it the way I normally do. I normally like act it out and everything. We had a time we flew off the highway and we're going down this massive embankment down the side of a road. It was icy out, Illinois, and we should have. I've gone back to that exact area and I've looked. And the, the angle of that and the type of car we were driving, we should have gone over and over and over rolling down that hill. I'm convinced that there is an angel that was assigned to us that held upright our car and what should have killed us, we were preserved. I'm convinced that We've all maybe had experiences like that. You're going to think I'm crazy. But I think that there's even moments you've been driving down the highway and the Lord saw you were going to get in some accident. You were going to die. 
and he sent an angel to come and pop your tire. And you're sitting frustrated on the side of the road like, oh, my tire. Maybe you're getting upset with God, like what in the world's going on? But you don't realize he was slowing you down to avoid something that was going on ahead. My wife and I had a check that was delayed one time when we were trying to get out and go visit somebody in the hospital. And we discovered because we were so wait, slow service, slow to get our check, slow to cash us out. And as we were driving, we realized there was a horrible accident. And we even went and looked. The exact time that we would have left would have put us right in the middle of that accident. Multiple people were killed in that thing. And what are you saying, Pastor Jacob? I think, I don't know, an angel came and like hid my check for a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But I, I think that there's moments where the Lord has intervened and you don't even recognize it. I'm reading between the lines, but I just like to give God credit for that. One day I'll find out exactly what happened. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you will judge angels. You know that? I think I wrote down the verse for you. First Corinthians 6 3 says, We will judge angels. You know what I think? I think that's actually going to be like, I, there's going to be a time. I've made it into heaven and I'm there. And the Lord is going to begin to show me all of the things that angels did on my behalf. And it'll be up to me to judge whether my angels did a good job protecting me and my family and my life or not. That's what I think is actually going to happen. That's wild, man. The Bible's interesting. Angels can instruct people, give direction. I, I, again, download the notes. I have a lot of things on this. Angels rejoice when people get saved, Luke 15, 10. Angels usher the faithful from death into eternity. Angels literally come and usher people into the presence of God after they die. So here's some rules. Are you ready for some rules? This is important because some of you want to go out now and start talking to angels and start praying. And uh, so let me give you some rules. Very important. Number one, don't worship angels. We don't worship angels. We see on a few occasions they would be overwhelmed by what they were seeing and experiencing. Even John, who knew Jesus... He was seeing the Father in heaven, but in Revelation 22, I mean, it's after he's seen all of these things. He saw the Father on the throne and Jesus. He walked with Jesus on the earth for a number of years, and yet still he had an angel encounter. He fell down and began to worship the angel, and the angel said, don't worship me. Don't worship me. So we don't worship angels. You may be tempted to, if John, who personally knew Jesus, was tempted to, to worship angels, there's a chance that you might be too if you had that kind of encounter. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay? Uh, number two, do open the door for angels through your relationship with God. It's a good thing. You will open the door. The same way you start messing around with demonic stuff, you're going to open the door to demons. Realize when you start living in fellowship with God Almighty, you're loving on Jesus, you're worshiping the Father, you're going to open doors, good doors, for angelic activity to begin to operate over your life. It's wonderful. 
Sometimes I'm, I'm telling, like I've told you, I think this has probably happened on your behalf and you didn't even realize it. Remember one time I was like five or six years old, and it just sticks out to my head in my head because it was such a weird experience. We had in our backyard these tiered walls. And uh, it was like little planting gardens for flowers, vegetables, whatever. And, uh, and it kind of went up as the hill went down. And so there was one area towards the end that was about a 10-foot drop. And I'll never forget, I was little and I was like playing on this little wall. And I fell off on the end onto concrete. I hit my back and I hit my head. And it didn't hurt me at all. And I remember in that moment thinking like, I might have superpowers. I don't know. I'm I, like, I'm invincible. But I rem it was such a weird experience. Even as a young kid, I recognize, I think that an angel probably saw dummy little Jacob here. What you doing playing on this high wall? And caught me as I was falling down. and Allowed me not to suffer injury. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking. But the Bible, angels did that kind of stuff. And I think you probably had stuff like that on your behalf, and you didn't even know it. Um, number three, don't pray to statues. Don't pray to angels. Don't pray to saints. And this is very important. I don't want you to start like, okay, I'm going to pray to the flaming seraphim, the ball of fire. Oh, seraphim, please. Don't do that. We direct our prayers in one direction to God. Very important. I'm telling you, Mormonism was started because Joseph Smith had an encounter with an angel, called himself Moroni, gave him a stone tablet and some magic glasses and uh, gave him new revelation. Galatians says you don't believe any gospel that is preached other than what we're bringing you out of Scripture. If it's not in the Bible, he said, I don't care if an angel comes and brings you this word. Even if an angel brings another gospel, he said, let it be a curse. Let it be anathema. It is not of God. Angels always minister. In fact, you'll remember, this is important. Because I believe, friend, some of you may well have angel encounters. And angels, listen to me. This, this is so important. Remember Joshua? He was led outside the camp, and there he encountered an angel of God. And Joshua asked him a question. Are you for our army, or are you for our enemy? Anybody remember what he said? He said, neither. But as an angel of the host of the Lord. He's like, I'm not on your team, and I'm not on their team. I'm on God's team. And Daniel's response was a good one then I'm on your team. <laughs> and you got to understand, angels, they're all ministering on behalf of God. They're not, if they come and they're tooting their own horn, I'm the angel Moroni, and I've got a wonderful revelation for you. Um, where's Jesus in this equation? Where's the Bible in this equation? So you understand, Satan the Bible says, can disguise himself as an angel of light. So you can even have moments where an angel of light appears to you, and wow, this is incredible, this is wild, but no, demons can come in that same way. 
This is why it's important. You don't start praying to angels. We pray to the Lord, but I do think it's good. And I pray this way often. Lord, I ask you now to release warring angels to surround my, I pray it almost every night, to surround my family, do warfare on our behalf in realms that I don't even see or recognize. You see demon powers that are coming, but Lord, I ask you to release warring angels to do battle on our behalf. And I'll pray that way. One thing that I don't pray often enough, but I need to, is Lord, release ministering angels now to release your healing power, to deliver messages, to begin to show your people things. I think it's okay to pray that way, but we're talking to the Lord and we're praying to the Lord. Okay? So don't listen to angels that bring new revelations. You can count on angels. There are angels assigned to you. They will care for you. And here's the last one. This is important, and we're going to pray. Hebrews 13.2. This is a weird verse, man. Don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. You ever taken care of like, you know, you just being nice to a homeless person or being nice to, a, you know, someone come knock on your door looking for a cup of sugar or I don't know what. It is possible that an angel has come and you didn't even realize it. That's a crazy thought. So be nice to strangers. <laughs> Today, I was in Walmart. Why don't we stand, stand, stand. Today, I was in Walmart, and, uh, and the line was going so slow. I was literally buying a stick of glue, and it was taking forever. And then I go in, and I scan my thing, and because it was super glue, it was Gorilla Glue. I don't know why, but... Like they had to make sure I was over 18 to buy glue. And it took them forever to come and to be with me. And I was getting, I was getting frustrated. I was hot. I'd already waited in the line. I don't like being in Walmart anyways. Too many people. And here I am. I'm waiting. And I wanted to fly off the handle to like, what, lady, what are you doing? And she walks over to me. And I, I was thankful I didn't say, oh, hi, pastor. She had a mask on. I, I, I don't even know who it was, but it was someone who knew. I was a pastor. Praise God I didn't snap. Oh, hi, pastor. <laughs> and uh, be nice to people. Be nice to people. You may be being nice to an angel, and you didn't even realize it. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to begin to pray. That God would give us eyes to see. One of the gifts of the Spirit is a gift of discerning. And you'll notice it's the discerning of spirits. Plural. Many people just take that as, oh, I see demons and I recognize demons. And I discern that there's demons. Angels are spirits too. And I believe the reason that it's plural is because it can speak of the spirit that God, uh, the Holy Spirit, it can speak of angel spirits. God wants to give us the discerning of spirits. So this is what I want to do. I want us to lift our hands all across this room right now. God, I, I'm asking now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be released upon this people. God, I know 
according to your word that there are angels in this room right now. There are angels that are assigned to our life. There are angels that minister and carry messages and, and, and carry healing and are, and are working on your behalf and on our behalf. God, my request tonight is so simple. I am asking for the gift of of discernment to be released upon your people. That God we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what you are doing. Lord I want discernment yes to recognize what sin is, what evil is, what what demonic is but God I'm asking that you would show us on the other side. You would show us the moving of your spirit. You would show us angels almighty God. Give us eyes to see what your spirit is doing in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would even elevate our faith level in the mighty name of Jesus. That we would recognize that there may be an angel, even as Paul had, that comes and stands by us to bring us a word of encouragement or comfort. There may be an angel that is carrying, even as Isaiah had, an angel came and he was in sin. He recognized it, but an angel came and brought him a cleansing that purified him and qualified him for ministry. Lord, your angels can do so much for us. And I'm asking, Lord, give us eyes to see what your ministering spirits are doing. Give us faith that is willing to grab hold of and lay hold of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, we hunger and we thirst for you, oh Lord. We hunger and we thirst for you, almighty God. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and to release a fresh anointing upon your sons and your daughters in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. 